2: This is Joni Eldridge, and I am your host today for Cancer SOS, starting another great week of wonderful and diverse and educational and informative shows. I'm just so excited to bring these shows to you. Um, always like to talk about new and innovative things, and that's what we're going to cover today on Cancer SOS. Um, you know... Cancer treatment, um, having gone through it, uh, not myself personally, but as a co-survivor with both my mother and my husband, as most of you know, um, it's very difficult. It's and, and through so many friends and the struggles and the things that they've gone through, um, you know, and, and certainly the loss of Dear friends and loved ones that many of us suffer from cancer and um, this horrible disease that and yes, there are many, many other diseases that are horrible as well. I don't mean to say that there aren't, but um Cancer's a little different because it, when it invades your life, it invades your life for the rest of your life, and so, um, and and the treatments can be very, very difficult. They can be, you've always heard that sometimes the treatment is as bad as the cure or or the disease itself, and so, you know, I'm really excited about our show today because um, we're going to talk about possibilities and real possibilities, things that are new and cutting edge that um, are likely coming up in the very near future that may help cancer patients in a way that is not as difficult um, and, and as body-threatening as some of the treatments, obviously, that we have now um, So, again, welcome to Cancer SOS and welcome to another week of great shows. Please keep the uh, chat room, keep coming into the chat room and let me know as we go through the show today um, if you have any questions, certainly for my guest, um, because we're going to try to break this down, some uh, interesting um, technological information, and we're going to try to break it down so that everybody, including me, can understand it from the ground up. One of the things that I find fascinating about our topic today is it has to do with viruses. You know, when we when we think of a virus, especially this time of year, let's just face that, uh, we think of them as being... You know, bad things that we don't want to invade our life, and certainly with um, cancer patients, we've we've talked about a good bit. And as a matter of fact, on on Thursday we're going to talk about neutropenia again, and certainly the need to keep uh, viruses away from cancer patients. But but what if what if there was a way to leash those viruses into actually being a positive thing that could potentially actually be helpful in treating cancer patients. And that's what we're going to talk about today with my guest, Mr. Bradley Thompson. Um, Brad is the executive chairman, chief executive author, officer, or pres- president of Ontolytics Biotech. Um, he I'm going to let him talk a little bit about the uh, company itself, but certainly they are working towards, they work towards better uh, drugs to treat cancer patients. So um, welcome to the show, Brad.
1: Oh, thank you very much.
2: So tell us about your company and, you know, just some general basics about it, um, you know, what you do there and um, how long you've been in business and what your focus
1: is. Okay, well, we're a a small uh, Canadian headquarters, though we actually don't do very much in Canada. Almost all our uh, activities and, and most of our employees are in the U.S. and in Western Europe. Um, company looking at, at treating, coming up with a new therapy or new therapies to treat a variety of different um, specific indications in the, the cancer field. And so, you know, we have clinical studies currently ongoing in uh, head and neck cancer, ovarian, pancreatic, uh, a couple of different types of lung, um, melanoma, and several other indications. And so, we have a fairly broad based program looking at, you know, some of the major cancers that, that you know, affect people's lives every day i think your comments at the start about uh, you know being you know a, a, a relative of of survivors of cancer is uh, unfortunately an extremely common condition for for uh, virtually everybody over the age of you know pick an age um it, it, it's very few people in our society are not touched either um, directly themselves or with somebody close to them by cancer and so you have you know companies like oncolytics that are that are you know, attempting to do something about that. And, and, and you know, so we're one of a, a group of companies, um, fortunately for us, a large group of companies, that are, that are looking at developing, you know, new kind of this generation types of technologies. You know, the technology that Oncolytics is looking at is using a live agent, which in this case is a virus, uh, to treat cancers. And, you know, people always are talking about, you know, oh, my goodness, you're using a virus to treat something. Uh, but, you know, the vast majority of viruses actually don't cause diseases in humans, which is, I think, something that most people don't know. Um, there's a very short list of viruses that actually cause disease. And, of course, we're unfortunately all quite familiar with those. And But the vast majority, probably high 90s of percent of viruses actually don't cause diseases in humans. They will infect people. They'll reproduce and they, um, you know, make new viruses and spread on. But they don't actually do anything. And And so it's... It's, it, people have started, including us, have started looking at viruses you now to do a variety of things. They're used in gene therapy, to tre- um, which is in a large number of clinical studies, to treat uh, you know, a large number of conditions. And they're used uh, by a small number of companies right now to, to investigate the use in treating cancer. And we're one of those companies that are looking you know to treat cancer with it. Now, the virus that we're using is a very common environmental virus uh, called the Rio virus. About um, half of children by age five have actually been infected by the virus and virtually every adult uh, by age 21 has has had a real virus infection, but it's something that uh, nobody has ever had to go to the doctor with because it's, it's asymptomatic and it's, it's a normal condition. Um, what's yeah. unique about this particular virus is, is that it actually has a, an absolute requirement to grow uh, in cells that have uh, growth defects. That, that lose, uh, and causes them to lose control over their own growth. And that's all cancer wow. is. Cancer is, just un- is uncontrolled cell growth. And so, you know, a large number of the agents that are being developed now, uh, whether they're viral based or antibody based, which, you know, there's been a very uh, large number of antibodies that are actually successfully taken through the process and are actually being sold for treatment of cancer, um, are, are generally directed towards shutting down. In some way, this uncontrolled growth mechanism, on uh, which there are several in cells, and, and turning cells into, you know, f- rapidly growing uncontrolled cells into not rapidly growing cells, and sometimes they kill those cells, and sometimes they just make them stop growing. In, in our case, our virus actually uh, selectively will only grow in cells that have has this, this this kind of group of metabolic defects that causes the growth, uh, the uncontrolled growth. And will actually kill the cell. So, um, this is if you want to think of it in that way, in sort of medical parlance, this is really a cytotoxin. It actually kills kills the cells it infects and grows in. And um, I think a unique feature is because it's a virus and it replicates, it actually produces more of itself. So you actually have a, a self-administering, wow. self-replicating drug right inside the tumor. And um, and I think that that's a commonality in, in the people that are uh, the number of companies, including Oncolytics that are that are looking at using these agents so it's 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 a neat concept um and of course with any new concept you have um you know developmental challenges you have to learn how to how to make it you have to know how to administer it you have to look at different safety issues um i mean it it's a completely different pathway than a traditional um you know chemotherapeutic or radiation uh, study, and so you kind of learn as you go and uh but all of a sudden, you know, one morning you wake up, and, and at least in our case, you know, we're in a registration study for um, second-line head and neck patients. Uh, it's now in, what, 13 or 14 countries, including the United States, that study. Uh, we have a large number of uh, phase two randomized studies ongoing now. And, and so you know, all that kind of new stuff is behind you, and what's in front of you is just proving it finally in a statistical sense to actually do what you want it to do, which is extend life. And so... That's, I think, kind of in a hopefully not too long-winded way, <laughs> introduction to, to what Oncolytics does.
2: Uh-huh. Now, I, I did some research on this, and it was a little fascinating because isn't it, um, I, I believe, based on what I read, that one of the advantages of this type of product and developing this type of product is that you know it's a little easier to do um you don't have to do the massive clinical trials so to speak because quite a bit of it you actually do in the laboratory is that correct
0: at least it's
1: it's for the most part that i think i think for the most part that's correct the our, our big challenges aren't haven't been what to do in the clinic our our big challenges that, are what we had to do before we got into the clinic, and you know you're you're taking a new agent, and you need to know how the mechanism of action. You need to know uh, toxicology, and, and unfortunately, in animal models, because that's what we're required to do, um, and and you'll really learn about the science in the lab, and then you have a I think a shorter period of time where you're actually in later stage clinical studies. I, I think again a commonality of most of the companies. Um, not just in the viral area, but in the kind of new wave of of cancer therapeutics, is that most of the companies involved, they're actually looking at making, I think, larger differences in standard of care. Uh, uh, You know, they're all trying to make patients live a week or two or three weeks longer. is not the mindset of of the biotech industry. And, As a result of that, from a statistical perspective, the bigger the difference that you are trying to show, the smaller the clinical study can be on a a number of patients' basis to actually show that difference. So um, typically for for our kind of studies, and and this has been shown with the antibodies as well, um, that you see see smaller studies just because it's statistically you can show differences that are larger with a smaller number.
2: So... How do we foresee that um, this is? Well, first of all, how how does it attack the tumor? How is it going to be? You know, you're in phase two of the clinical trial. Um, how is it actually administered to the tumor? And is it a specific type of tumor that has to be um, it, to be used for this to actually be used?
1: Well, this, this particular virus will actually enter every cell in your body, whether it's a cancer cell or not a cancer cell. And so for us, the, the, the trick is to basically try to infect uh, part of a tumor with, with the virus. And so it's really just a numbers game. And so there's, I mean, excuse the bit of, of math, I mean, we're, we, we, uh, and there's about 10 to the 15th, which is a big number, um, of cells in your body, and a tumor might have, you know, 10 to the ninth or 10 to the 10th cells. So, uh, you know, it's a much smaller number of cells in the body. So, you just need to stick enough virus in the body to try to get a few of the cells in the tumor infected. Uh, what happen- It's what happens after the, the virus actually gets in the cell that actually gives this, this particular product its selectivity. If the virus goes into a normal cell, which the vast majority of the viruses that we administer will, nothing happens. The virus cannot grow in those cells, and so there's no effect on them whatsoever. If it goes into a, a, a cancer cell that has the metabolic defects that lead to this specific type of uncontrolled growth that we're looking at, um, the virus can then grow. And so you get a rapid, uh, sort of, um, Magnification or amplification of the amount of virus in that tumor. Now, the tumor type doesn't seem to matter. Uh, about two thirds oh, of all good. any any types of cancers will actually have these growth uh, these metabolic defects. So that's a, that's a good thing. What we have, however, wow, found is, is that the, that is a big number. It's the structure of the tumor that seems to be the issue. And some tumors, mm-hmm. like um, you know, like uh, pancreatic cancer, has is a, a very difficult to treat. Not because the drugs don't typically work on it it's just that the drugs can't get into the pancreatic head and it can get to the tumors it's a very dense structure it's got a lot of normal un, you know like normal tissue mixed in with the tumor and so the drugs just can't get to the tumor cells and so we we've started treating with other agents that actually open up the tumor so it's more porous or, or, or um, just more open to, the, to our particular agent getting into it. Uh, the way we, we administer the product, we just give it intravenously. The patients come in as outpatients. Um, mm-hmm. They come in and we get a, just an IV bag put on. They sit around and read a book or watch TV or have a nap or chat with another patient. Uh, there's no special precautions required. And it's 40, 45 minutes with so an IV, and then they go home if they want. Um, it's it's pretty much that simple. And, um, we've, and and the agent actually fits in well with other um, uh, you know, agents cycle. So if you're combining it with uh, with radiation, or if you're combining it with old line chemotherapeutics, you just administer it right after you administer those things. So you get your radiation dose and get real virus after that, or or you know, uh, get your taxane and get real virus right after that. And so it, it's quite flexible that way. Um, and so we haven't seen any uh, really resistance to its use based on how we're using it, which is a, a good thing. There's nothing special required.
2: Okay, so, you know, technically, though, you are actually giving them a virus. So do you find that, and, and I know you mentioned earlier, you know, using it with standard chemotherapy, does it put their immune system at risk in any way?
1: Actually, it's quite the opposite. The uh, the, the the standard uh, chemotherapeutics tend to... Um, Beat up your immune system to some degree, uh, which is always an issue and uh real virus actually um, i mean it's, it's a a member of a class of viruses that actually causes your immune system to kind of um, you know, differentiate and, and 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 kind of repopulate it I mean it actually will cause dendritic cell populations uh, which are kind of the the basal cell populations that repopulate much of your immune system and actually causes them to differentiate and repopulate. And so you actually tend to see patients um, uh, immune systems are actually better off <laughs> if you're hmm. taking, say, a taxine plus rio virus or a platinum based drug and rio virus, than it is just with the chemo by itself. So, um, and that's something we wow. looked at very carefully. I mean, when in the early days we were always looking at, you know, what are the side effects of rio? Does it make it things worse? Does it they affect the immune system? And that we, you know, after a couple hundred patients, we started quitting looking at the immune system because we were just seeing. The immune system is more robust than it would be without the virus around. So that was a nice, that's amazing.
2: Oh, no kidding! That that's amazing because you know, as I said on the offset of the show, typically when you think about a virus, you think, oh my gosh, you don't want a virus anywhere within, you know, a mile of a cancer patient, as a general rule. So it actually helps to boost their immune system.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't uh, necessarily be treating patients just for that purpose alone, but uh, right, it's it it's it's one of those nice side effects that you're not going to go. Gee, I wish that wasn't around. It's a, it's a really good side effect if you want to think of it that way.
2: And and the, I think the other thing that really fascinates me is I had I, I really was under the impression that like so many chemotherapies and different types of treatments, you would actually have to inject it directly into the tumor, but basically, you're saying this is all administered by IV. Yeah,
1: we, we, we our correct. first three studies actually, were, yeah, our first three studies were directly injecting into the tumor because um, we just weren't sure how it w- it would work uh, intravenously. Um, but then we had a bunch of animal model data that would that supported us doing intravenous, and it's just so much more convenient. I mean, it's more convenient for the patient. I mean, a lot of tumors are in very odd places, and it's really a, a fairly complicated um, surgical technique, really, to, to position, um, stereotactically position a needle in, to get into the tumor properly. Uh, uh, now, you can, I mean, basically anybody who can run an IV line can administer real virus. It's, it's, uh, it just makes it so much simpler and it's so much more convenient. And and it also allows you to attack tumors that you can't see, which, of course, are often the ones you're most concerned about. The small metastatic lesions um, are often the ones that kill people, and those are the ones you're not going to be sticking a needle into. So going to intravenous has been, I think, a hugely positive development.
2: Exactly, because you can treat so much more of the body. Now, you did say earlier, and I just wanted to confirm this, that this can also be used in coordination with um, radiation and chemotherapy. Um, Is it Is it better that way, or it it almost sounds like to me that there is a possibility that at some point time this would kind of stand on its own as it's, you know, as a single treatment depending on the situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were caught in a bit of a conundrum. I mean, uh, to 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 introduce a new drug into oncology, you basically have to integrate yourself into what we call standard care, and so if you want to treat patients you know the first time they have cancer or you know the first time they recurse the first or second line uh, which is where you actually can make the most difference i mean as as patients go through the process and they're on fifth or sixth or seventh line the chances of a therapy working any therapy working diminish rather markedly unfortunately and so if you want to treat the most patients in the earliest you you really need to look for ways to actually integrate yourself with the current standard of care so that means like it or not Trying to figure out ways to, to do co-therapies with radiation, which is still used in like 70% of the cancer patients, and chemotherapies, which are used almost universally in cancer patients. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's, that's why one reason we're doing that. Now, there's a good technical reason in some cases to do that because both radiation and some of the chemotherapeutics, primarily the taxanes, help open up the tumors to let the virus in. Which I mentioned earlier, and so there's some real scientific okay. benefit to doing that, yeah, but you can actually do much lower dosages of radiation and chemo to actually cause that effect. so if we were just doing it for that purpose alone, we could go to much lower dosages. Now we have done uh, we did do one phase two monotherapy study in sarcoma patients and, and saw um, you know quite good effects. So I think in the end, uh, you I think you know once it's approved and once people have integrated into standard of care, you'll start seeing people use real virus um, by itself or possibly in combination with the new biologics, which also have nice safety profiles. And um, and so I think you'll start seeing people slowly over time moving away from, you know, old line chemo and, and radiation and into either monotherapy or combinations of therapies of the new agents, uh, which, I mean, as safety, the safety profiles across the board of all the new agents are just... Uh, are so much better than the safety profiles of the old line agents.
2: We had a great question from uh, one of our guests in the chat room, and I I didn't even think of this. It's a great question. Is this virus a live virus or just viral DNA?
1: This is a a live, uh, fully replicating, you know, virus. And uh, it... uh, you know, for every cell that the virus goes into, you get, you know, 20 or 30 or 40, sometimes 1,000 progeny virus will come out of that cell after the virus infects and kills it. And so it's, it's very much a live agent. And uh, so that we spent a huge amount of time and energy in uh, toxicology studies early on, both in human and in animals, to establish that this was indeed safe the way we were using it. And I think we've established that quite clearly um, but yeah, we always have a little asterisk after this. This is a live agent, and, and uh, you know, so if somebody had uh, you know, uh, um, you know, bubble kid syndrome, you know, an absolute lack of an immune system, I don't think I'd be treating that particular patient with real virus, But pretty much anybody else, uh, I think the safety profile is, is 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 quite good. The nice thing in this particular agent's case is that it's it's very close to you know, what we call the wild type or what's out in the wild. And honestly, um, um, it's in your municipal tap water already. Uh, it's in anything that's contaminated with uh, human sewage. Um, so it's, it's already out in the environment, um, very broadly based. And uh, and so it, it's not like we're introducing something that's already not there. It is already there.
2: Well, if that's the case, then um, and I guess I, I, we're going to take a short break in a few minutes. But if that's the case, then I, I guess it's the dosage that keeps that that thing that is coming through us um, from keeping us from getting cancer to begin with. I I, I guess there's something really scientific well, but, you know, about that. That
1: I... <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty, actually you know in animals if we if they get uh, polyps in their bowels. Um, uh, and you give them this real virus orally, which is kind of the way you do it in you know normally, you know if you were getting an infection. We
0: actually with lucky land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: <gasps> no, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You can treat polyps. So there may be less polyps around because of real. I mean, that, that's quite possible. Um, the real issue, wow. I think, is that real virus doesn't cross the gut barrier by itself. And so if you're ingesting it and it's just passing through your system and going out the other end, it doesn't have access to all the tumors in your body. It just can't get there. And the other issue is dosage. I mean, if, if you go out and drink a, a cup of you know, municipal tap water, there might be 10 or 100 real virus particles in there. And we're giving um, 30 billion particles a day, for oh. five days in a row okay. to patients. So it's dosage and just accessibility.
2: Exactly, and you're doing it intravenously as opposed to just, uh, you know, passing through your system.
1: Yeah, I wish I could give it as a pill, but that's the one limitation that we have just haven't figured out how to fix. It just doesn't get across the gut barrier.
2: Well, give it some time. This is great. This is great. I'm glad to hear about this. And So we're going to take a few minutes break. My guest is Mr. Brad Thompson, who is the president of Analytics. Um, oh Biotech, which is in Canada. He is the executive chairman and president. And uh, we're talking about the Rhea virus and the possibility of this virus being used in the future to help to kill at least some types of cancer. And it sounds very positive for a lot of different types. So when we get back, we'll talk more about the development and perhaps uh, look into the future and see how much more time it's going to take for the this to actually be used uh, well obviously it's in phase two clinical trials we'll be back in just a few minutes <laughs> Author and speaker Joni Aldrich, Welcome back to Cancer SOS with my very special guest today, uh, Mr. Brad Thompson. He is the president and executive chairman and chief executive officer of Oncolytics Biotech in Canada. And we've been having a wonderful conversation about the Rhea virus. Now, your particular product, Brad, um, give me the brand or the your branding name on this.
1: Uh, Again? the branded name is real yeah, Real Lyson is the branded name. And uh and of course, they'll come up with some odd generic name that none of us can pronounce later, but the branded name is real license.
2: <laughs> yeah, 14 syllables or something like that, yeah. Um, fascinating information. Uh, it's a virus that we have evidently all been exposed to. Uh, some of us have actually had the virus itself, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, um, even as early as age 21 and more. Or younger, but um, and something that we probably get through our environment and through our water system and different things every day, just not for this particular purpose. And if I got this right, again, correct me if I'm wrong, the fascinating thing about it is that it grows, it likes to grow in a defective environment, which if I'm understanding that basically is why it would attack the cancer cells and not normal cells, correct,
1: Brad? That's that's correct, yeah. There's an absolute selectivity. It's quite quite exquisite, actually, and that's the scientist in me speaking. It's really, really uh, amazing how selective this is actually in the human body.
2: And at some point in time, um, could perhaps be used in two-thirds of tumors. Now, when I was doing some research yesterday, um, it, it, it mentioned RAS pathway, tumors bearing an activated RAS pathway. Um, is that a particular, is that something that is nice to have when you're using the Rhea
1: but yeah, it's an absolute requirement for it. The, the RAS pathway is named after actually one element on the pathway, which is the RAS protein. And uh, it's about it's about a dozen. It's like a big daisy chain long uh, pathway. It's about a dozen elements. And it's a very common um, growth signaling pathway in cells. Cells in your body have to be told to divide. And so some signal will come in from the outside and latch onto the surface of the cell and and then... That message, if you want to think of it that way, is transported deep into the cell and the cell is told to divide. And the RAS pathway is one of those very common, the most common kind of messenger routes, if you want to think of it that way. And if it gets stuck in the on position for whatever reason, um, then the cell is getting this message just all the time please divide now, please divide now, please divide now. And it loses control of its growth. And that's, you know, this uncontrolled cell growth, you know, is all cancer is this thing. And there's this, an interesting side effect of that particular pathway is that that allows the cell to support the growth of real virus. And so uh, when the cell's in that, that condition, that uh, actually enables the virus to be able to grow and replicate and kill that cell. And so that's the correlation. And so if, if there was no, if the RAS pathway wasn't associated with any disease state, then, then this would just be a scientific Curiosity, but unfortunately for us as a development uh, company, uh, you know about two thirds of each class of solid tumor has a Ras pathway defect, but ninety percent plus a metastatic disease, which is kind of neat, has a Ras pathway defect. And oh my goodness, that's
2: path. incredible! Wow, yeah, that's it's, very
1: it's, exciting. It, which which has an agent that. Should be and is beginning to look that way is more active in metastatic disease than it is in primary tumors. Which in metastatic disease is what kills patients. I mean that's you know probably 90 95 okay. percent of patients die metastatic disease. And so and we see very robust uh, responses in metastatic disease. If you grade it separately. About you know, half the patients we treat with metastatic disease have a clinical response in the metastatic disease, which is a very high percentage response rate for metastatic disease. And um, so we're, you know, we're quite excited about that. But that's all due to this mechanism of action. And uh, again, we're just—it's just the I think the fortunate concurrence that you know, the RAS pathway defects are are prevalent in in a number of diseases, but most important to us, cancer.
2: And, and what I think I like about this, although obviously you're forcing the issue and you're putting much more of the virus than a, a person would normally get, is at least it's, it's a natural, in some ways, agent, because it's a virus. Yes. It's something that, as you said, we're exposed to anyway, and, and as opposed to, say, a chemical that you put into your
1: body. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had a patient that doesn't have um, evidence of being infected by, you know, Rio virus earlier in their life. I, it's, uh, I I believe it's still 100% of patients that we've treated that have evidence of having a real virus infection. So, you know, it's something people have seen before. Uh, personally, it's infected them. They haven't, haven't got sick from it, and they're you know, it's uh, th- that was one of the things that drew me to this project you know when i first saw it you know back in 1998 or 1999 was uh was it was just coming out of the university labs at that point and it was the fact that you know i myself personally had actually you know statistically been infected by this particular virus before i'd even started talking with the people thinking about it as a cancer therapeutic that's kind of nice it's <laughs> it, it's a comforting feeling
2: as opposed to a, a something that's made into a chemical that you put into your body. Um, again, busy in the chat room. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you some of these questions since it's a live virus. Does this virus stay around even after a mission
1: remission? It, it actually, the body will clear the virus in uh, completely in two to three weeks. So, um, well, I guess there's two paths there. If there's no cancer in your body, we can't detect the virus, you know, an hour or so after we, we administer it. Um, it's just, it's completely, uh, the body just takes care of it. If the if the virus doesn't oh, wow! Does so if the there's tumor, no cancer yeah.
2: there, it just goes right on out. it's, oh,
1: it's, it's gone. Okay. You know? If if uh, if if there is a cancer that the tumor can infect or the virus can infect. Um, the tumor actually will start shedding um, progeny virus after the virus replicates in it. And so you actually get an infection set up, but only in the tumor. And so you can detect the virus uh, in, in a person for two to three weeks after that. And then the body's natural immune response to the virus. I mean, it's the, 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 the body sees this as an infection and it deals with it. So you have this natural immune response that will clear the virus in two to three weeks. And then it's gone. So if you want to retreat the patient, you have to retreat them. It's not there for forever, um, and so and that actually dictates our treatment cycles. Or um, when we use it as a monotherapy, we treat once a month. Um, which and the reason for that is because you know it's floating around for two or three weeks, and then it's gone, and you have to give more to start it all over again. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's not persistent in the human body after we're done.
2: And that's why you're going through the, the clinical trials is to, you know, try to determine what the best sequence is for all of that.
1: Yeah, the best dosing, the best cycling of dosing, the best combinations mm-hmm. of, you know, which drugs it works best with or not. And, I mean, nothing is universal. And often the difference between a really good therapeutic and a not-so-good therapeutic is little what we think of almost as mundane things like, dosing schedules or or how much do you give on a specific day, and that really can separate, you know, the therapy being really good versus it being so-so, and so you spend a lot of time looking at those things, and, and for good reason.
2: Exactly. Here's another great question. If the body itself, if you're like, for example, white cells detect the Rhea virus, does it not attack the virus you injected to treat the cancer?
1: Uh, Yes, it does, and that's for this two to three. It it takes the body about um, literally between two and three weeks to mount an effective immune response against rheovirus. So, you know, um, so that's what it's actually doing. That's right. The the body is. I mean, it's the immune. uh, There's a number of avenues of immune attack on viruses, and it just takes the body that long to uh, you know mount an effective. Uh, response against this particular virus. Now, some other viruses the, the human body is quicker at dealing with, and some other viruses, unfortunately, the body never is very good at dealing with. I mean, there's a number of viruses that the human, you know, infectious disease viruses, that the body never has time to deal with. Um, so, I mean, it, it varies from virus to virus. But yes, the, the I mean, the, 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 that kind of the uh, the cellular side of the of the immune system, which the white blood cells are part of, it it just takes them a little time to actually kind of gear up and gear up to recognize the virus and then multiply. So there's enough of them, and I mean it's a it's a complicated thing. It just takes time
2: exactly and as you were saying earlier you give much larger amounts and so obviously you your body will take more time and that's why as you said two to three weeks um, does the uh, there was a question about um, is there a protein or marker in a metastatic condition that the virus attacks or is it just cells it's,
1: it's just it's it's just cells, and it's the prevalence of this uh, Ras pathway thing we were talking about earlier. If you look at um, um, metastatic disease, is is very much um, more uh, similar to itself than primary tumors. Primary tumors are quite. Variable, you know, parts of the tumor can be one kind of cancer, and other parts can be caused by another thing, and you know, they have all this structure in that. But when you look at metastatic disease, I mean, they're, they're caused by a, a little breakaway clump of cells from the primary tumor that then kind of floats around the body until it lodges someplace, and then it starts to multiply. So you basically have a population of, of, in that tumor that comes from one or two or three parent cells, if you want to think of it that way. So they're really mm-hmm. all the same and they often are incredibly aggressive uh, and fast-growing, and those things all uh, lend you towards having these RAS pathway defects. There's, there's a commonality and of, of of purpose there that that leads you to have RAS pathway defects, and that's what the virus needs to grow. So that's the basis on it, but there's no surface difference that the virus detects. I mean, it. it and honestly, it doesn't detect any difference on the surface. It has a – it's very um, – uh, it, it 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 it's not very selective about what it goes into. It's just selective about when it's inside it, what it does.
2: And it has this goal, and it has this purpose, and this goal and purpose just so happens to, you know, when introduced into the body, to attack the cancer cells because they're defective.
1: That that's exactly correct. Is that and uh, kind
2: of the uh, bottom line.
1: You know, that's the bottom. That is the bottom line. <laughs> You know, the very first time that we, we looked for this specifically was in a prostate cancer study uh, about 10 years ago. And it was unfortunately in patients who were still getting their prostate gland taken out uh, called the prostatectomy. And so we actually had, you know, the whole gland there that had, you know, cancer and non cancerous cells mixed in together. And, you know, we were all kind of holding our breath when we were, um, you know, the histopathologist was showing us these things on a microscope. And you had, it was, you had dead and dying tumor literally touching healthy cells that were unaffected. It was that, that sensitive. It was that. selective. Wow. It was just like, and I, 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 on the first time I saw it, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, just recently we did a similar study with metastatic um, um, colorectal cancer that had metastasized to the liver and we were excising parts of the liver um, post-real therapy uh, to see the tumors and to see the normal healthy liver strata. And we saw exactly the same thing. You know, healthy, um, completely normal liver uh, uh, cells just doing their thing, touching, literally touching dead and dying tumor cells with no crossover effect. I mean, it was that, it's that collective, and and it's just, uh, I, and honestly, in my experience, I've actually never seen something that selective in, in a tumor. So it, it, and that you know that really gives you the result of this quite clean safety profile that we see with the virus. I mean, it's it's pretty innocuous. Um, but to actually see it with your own eyes and to actually see it on a you know on a slide uh, is really it's a really powerful statement. I mean, I can talk about it all day, and then you see the picture and you go, "Wow, okay, <laughs> that is the way it is." It's a yeah, it's it, it's it's a major plus for this type of agent
2: well obviously because for many reasons because um standard chemotherapy and radiation you know as everyone knows it damages other normal cells what you're saying is it's right there next to normal cells and not doing a thing to it because it's one goal is to go for defective cells
1: that's, that's exactly the case kill them. and it that's Amazing right.
2: and uh, very exciting well, here's another question. If you apply immunosuppressive therapy, can you delay the two to three weeks that the body um is um killing off the Rhea virus so that it can continue to to
1: work uh, i think I mean that would be possible. we've never done it uh it's uh it's just easier for us, honestly, just to re-administer the virus uh, I mean, it's so simple to give and the side effects are, are, are phenomenal that it's just easier for us to you know, bring somebody in and put a new IV bag on and, and re-inoc- you know, re-inoculate or reinfect them with the virus. Um, in animals, you can actually suppress the immune system um, with, you know, a number of agents, but that leads to other issues. I mean, if you suppress the immune system too actively to try to do that, then... As you mentioned earlier, I mean it opens up the body to other infections, and and what we tend to find in cancer right. patients is that they're really w- wide open, in particular to bacterial infections. You get a lot of, um, you know, secondary uh-huh. bacterial infections in hospitals and things like that because their immune systems are so beaten up. And uh, so you're a little cautious about you know, mucking with the immune system too much if you can help it.
2: Right. So do it in doses and, and work through it and and find the right balance basically because all you're talking about is a balance. And you know kind of using the balance in your favor so to speak. Yeah well, exactly. Exciting. Exactly. So so it's in phase 2 trials. Um has anyone actually gone in remission from from the rea virus?
1: Yeah, we've uh, actually and we've treated um well, uh, mostly us, but some with the National Cancer Institute. Probably around um, between five and six hundred patients now over the history of the product, and that's all the way from uh, phase one studies up until this uh, registration study that we're running for head and neck cancers. We we have had complete responses in patients, and you know we've had patients. It seems like every study we run, there's always you know a few patients that you know the cancer just goes away, and and you know five ten years later they're fine, and you know they're not supposed to be. Um, and it's a little maddening that you you know it's possible, and you want to you try keep trying to figure out ways to push the percentage of that kind of ultimate success up to a higher level. Um, but you know, as we learn, I think that'll happen. And it's but it is very gratifying. Um, you know, I I occasionally get you know photos or emails or Christmas cards or people showing up in my office. Oh. I have one uh, one older. A uh, gentleman from our very first clinical study who comes and visits me every year, and st- literally strips down into his underwear, makes me take pictures of all his where his lesions used to be all over his body, um, oh which is always a kind of an amusing oh. visit every year in December. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, you know, honestly, that that that's those. Are, I, I look forward to those visits. I look forward to the cards and Christmas cards and, and all those kind of things because they're the, the those are the those are priceless. Honestly, that's the. You get kind one of those like the American Cancer like, Society.
2: My, another birthday, another birthday. Yeah, it's like,
1: and, and that you know, and that's what we're. I mean, you know, for the, for the people who don't have those dramatic responses, what you're trying to do is is buy them time. You're trying to get them to that next birthday, that next you know, that next grandchild getting out of high school, the next whatever the whatever the milestone is that's in that that future event. That's really. You know, and you kind of do it in a way that, that leaves leaves them functional while they've got this this extra bit of life that you've given them. And, it's, it's,
2: and Brad, we're, I mean, that's, we're that's, running that's, short on time here. This is yeah. so exciting. I've just kind of let it go on. Give us uh, your website, and uh, when can we expect to hopefully see the Rhea virus or Rhea lighten? I'm not saying it very well
1: yeah realizing it's our, our head and neck study should be fully enrolled uh this year, and uh, then we'll apply for product approval assuming the study works out and uh then you know uh, you know if 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 the regulatory agencies get through it and approve it then you know this this could be approved next year uh, and if they take a little longer it' would be wow after that and that's you know and that's assuming assuming you know that the clinical study works um and uh and you know in the follow up studies and other indications. You know, you're looking at a year later than that for for you know for for other disease indications. Um, the uh, website is www.oncolyticsbiotech.com. and uh, thank so you so much, that, Brad. Go get it.
2: Thank uh, you, Brad. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Great. I'm Thank going to
2: put it on the uh, chat room, Brad, and thanks again for being on the show. So wonderful. Um, this is Joni Eldridge, and I will talk to you tomorrow at, for Diagnosis SOS.